You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 10. The Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand." Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance, and supplication for all saints. Amen. Let's pray. Our Father, we pray that you would now speak to our hearts. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for allowing us to be able to assemble today like this and to hear from you. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'd work in every heart, guide my mind and guide my words. And I pray that you would help us to uh, be uh, receptive to what you have for us. I pray that we would not just be hearers, but I pray that we would be doers of your word. We ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. We have covered uh, the other pieces of armor up to this point. We ended uh, last uh, December, the first Sunday in December, we talked about the shield of faith that quenches the fiery darts. Well, next on the list is verse 17, where it says, And take the helmet of salvation. I'm so glad I'm saved. I'm not just saved, I'm happy about it, I'm glad about it, and I'm thankful that this is a piece of armor that God reminds us that you've got to get this piece of armor on if you're going to be victorious. Now, first of all, you got to be saved. If you're not saved, you're not in the Lord's army, and if you're not saved, I got news for you, friend, you're not going to heaven. You say, well, that sounds kind of harsh. Oh, no, it's actually, it's good news, because we, in our sins, none of us can get to heaven. But the good news is that God loved us. He sent his son Jesus to die for us so that everybody and anybody could be saved that would call upon him. Now, I tell you what, I'm glad that God provided salvation for me because I can't get to heaven by myself. You can't get to heaven by yourself. The Bible says that it's not by works of righteousness which we have done, but it's according to his mercy that he saved us. And so as we look at the helmet of salvation, I first want to let you know, don't ever forget and don't ever take for granted what you have and what I have in Jesus Christ. If you've been saved, you are of all people most blessed that you're on your way to heaven. If you're saved here today, you've been born again, you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, like we talked about, Kara did on January 28th. Well, your date's a different date, I'm sure, but whatever that date was that you got saved, 
Your name was written down in the Lamb's book of life. You have a home in heaven forever and ever. And it's not because of you. And it's not because of me. But it's all because of Jesus and what he did. You see, salvation is not 50-50. It's not 50% what I do and 50% what Jesus did. Salvation is not, well, it's, it's 75% Jesus and 25% me. Salvation is not 90% Jesus and 10% me. Salvation is 100% Jesus and it's none of me and it's none of you. The Bible says it's not by works which we have done, but it's according to his mercy that he saved us. For by grace are you saved through faith. I want to look at the helmet of salvation today. The Bible says in Isaiah 59, verse 17, for he put on righteousness as a breastplate and an helmet of salvation upon his head. We find another reference to the helmet of salvation in 1 Thessalonians 5. The Bible says, but let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. Now, I want to remind you this morning that the Bible word for hope is not like we use the word hope. It's not like, oh, I sure hope so. Maybe it will and maybe it won't. Well, I'll flip a coin. Maybe I'll get lucky. Hopefully things will work out. Oh, no. The Bible word for hope is confidence. It is an expectation that what God has said will happen because God said it. I'm glad that our salvation is a confidence because of what Jesus Christ promised. So the helmet of salvation. But I want you to notice that Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he says, the helmet of salvation must be put on. You see, a helmet protects you. It protects your head. Now, helmets are protecting us and, and can protect you from accidents. That's why many construction sites, you're not planning to get whacked over the head, but you wear that helmet just in case of an accident. At least I hope you don't have coworkers that are trying to hit you over the head with the two by four or whatever, but it's for accidents. But then there's another helmet that is used. Uh, for instance, our military, they use that helmet. That's not just for accidents. That is to protect against attacks. Well, can I tell you as Christians, there are things that can hurt us. It can hurt our mind. They can, they can hurt and affect the way we think if we're not protected from the accidents and if we're not protected from the attacks of the devil. Now, let's look at a couple things here. Before we get any further, do you, uh, Brother Curry, do you all have that picture up there um, on the screen? Oh, there it is. Oh, it's supposed to be a Bible picture. No, 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 you're right. Football, and did you notice we're not showing this on Super Bowl Sunday, right? Um, I'm not worried about next Sunday. I think we'll be in church because I don't think anybody here even cares about the Los Angeles Rams. Do we have any Los Angeles Rams diehard fans? We got anybody like that? Okay. Any uh, diehard Cincinnati Bengals fans? We got any of those fans? All right, good. I'm not worried at all now. I was worried a few years ago when the Panthers were in the Super Bowl. You remember that? Yeah, unfortunately, that didn't work out very well, but they were in the Super Bowl. But uh, next Sunday night, you got to be in church, okay? Super Bowl can wait. You say, well, I can watch church later. Yeah, and you can watch the Super Bowl later too, right? But anyway, this is not Super Bowl Sunday, and this is not to talk about football as much, but it's to talk about 
the helmets. Do you notice the difference in a hundred years of how the helmets have changed? In the 1920s, and I won't ask for a show of hands if any of you ever wore any of those helmets because that was a long time ago. But I do remember seeing some of the old football cards and seeing some of the old NFL clips where they wore the helmets, like it says, for ni- from 1960. And of course, that would have been probably 60s and 70s, maybe a little bit of 80s. But look at the helmet today. A lot's changed. Well, not only has a lot changed from the way that they look, but these helmets have drastically changed in the National Football League. You see, in the last 10 years, over $200 million has been spent to improve the helmet. They've studied concussions. They've studied head injuries. They've done everything that they possibly can do to try to limit the injuries that take place in football. Not only has the NFL spent $200 million in the last 10 years, but our Department of Defense has poured tens of millions of dollars into studies like this because they are constantly trying to get helmets and to get protection for our soldiers that would save lives and prevent injury. So you see how important a helmet is. Now, for us that maybe we don't wear helmets and stuff, it's not a big deal. But let me tell you, if you're getting hit in the head, a helmet's a great idea. If you are under attack, you are thankful that you've got a helmet that could save your life. Now, before we go any further, keep that picture up there for another minute. But I'm glad to tell you that the helmet of salvation that's found in Ephesians 6 and Isaiah, 57, Isaiah 59 and 1 Thessalonians 5 I'm glad the helmet of salvation does not need any improvements. It's as good now as it was when Paul wrote about it. You know why it doesn't need improvement? Because God is the one that gives us this salvation. God is the one that gives us this protection. And anything that God gives you doesn't need improvement. Let me tell you, it's going to work just fine. So the helmet of salvation. Thank you, fellas. We can switch back to the other screen there. Let me give you a few thoughts. Number one, about the helmet of salvation. Number one, you have to know that you are saved. Notice I didn't just say you've got to be saved, although you've got to be saved, but you've got to know it. You've got to have the assurance. You've got to know that you have been born again. Now, God's the only one that can save you. If you're here today and you say, oh, I know I'm saved because I went to church or I got baptized or because I did this, that's not going to get you to heaven. So that's not knowing you're saved. That's just thinking you're saved and thinking wrong. But knowing you're saved because you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that's how a person gets saved. Can I tell you, no matter how bad it gets down here, No matter how difficult life may be for the child of God, I'm glad that we have heaven to look forward to. I am glad that we're not living for here and now, but we're living for the sweet by and by where we'll be with Christ and there'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more tears. There'll be no more pain. There'll be no more sickness. There'll be no more death. And what a day that will be when we get to heaven. But here's the thing. While we're on this earth, we need to know that we're saved. Turn with me. Hold your place in Ephesians 6. Turn with me, please, to 1 John chapter 5. I want you to see this verse. I've used this verse so many times uh, for myself. I've used this to help others. But 1 John 5, 13 tells us 
that we can know that we are saved. It's not a guessing game. It's not a wishful thinking. It's not a maybe we will, maybe we won't. But 1 John 5, 13, the Bible says, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may, what's the next word? Know. And that's not N-O, that's K-N-O-W, that you can know it. You can have the confidence that you have eternal life and that she may believe on the name of the Son of God. You don't have to turn there, but in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, Paul wrote and he said, I know whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep or to guard that which I've committed unto him against that day. Paul said, I know that God is able not only to save me, but he's able to keep me saved, and I know that I'm saved not because of what I've done, but I know that I'm saved because of what God did for me and because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Jesus, in John chapter 3, he had a visitor that came by night with questions. And Nicodemus came to Jesus and he asked Jesus, he said, what uh, must a, a person do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to Nicodemus, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. I've used this illustration so many times, you're probably tired of it, but I'll use it again just because it's, I think it's exactly what we need to hear to get this point driven home. I was born into the family of Joe and Cindy Coburnett, my parents. I was born on May 21st, 1979. I was born in Santa Clara, California, and I was born into their family. I became their child. Now, there may be things that I will do, I hope and pray not, but there may be things I'll do to disappoint my parents. There may be something I'll do in the future, and I sure hope I'll never do anything that they'd say, boy, we don't even want that, that, that boy having our name. There may be a time where I, I do something crazy, and they'll say, boy, we're, we don't even want to claim him. But can I tell you, no matter what I do, there is nothing that can be done to change the fact that I was born into their family. I'm a child of Joe and Cindy Coburnett. I was born into their family. And can I tell you, when you got saved, you became born into the family of God. And can I tell you, it doesn't matter what you do. Now, by the way, if you're a child of God, you ought to live like it. But it doesn't matter how far you go. You may be like the prodigal son. You may be like the, the, the people that Jeremiah preached to uh, that were away from God and they had hard hearts. And maybe you're here today or maybe you're listening on the radio or you're watching online and maybe you've not been living like a Christian. You've not been acting like a Christian. Well, can I tell you, there's nothing you can do to lose your salvation. But may I challenge you today, if you've been saved and if you've been born again, there ought to be a desire to live for Christ and to do what your Father has called you to do. I'm glad that I can know that I'm a child of God. I'm glad that it's everlasting life. I'm glad that it's eternal life. And the helmet of salvation indicates not only are you saved, but you know it. You have confidence in the fact that you are saved. Now, Satan... If you are saved, there's nothing Satan can do to change that fact. But Satan would love to discourage you, and Satan would love to cause you to doubt your salvation. 
Now, I don't believe that Satan knows our thoughts. God knows our thoughts. But Satan doesn't know what you're thinking. But Satan can hear what you say, and Satan can see what you do. And sometimes it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out what's in our mind because we act out what we're thinking, right? But Satan wants you today, if you're saved, Satan wants you to doubt it. Satan wants to put thoughts in your mind that God doesn't love you. Satan wants to put thoughts in your minds that God doesn't care about you and that God's forgotten about you. Well, I want to tell you, Satan's a liar. That's all he knows how to do. That is, that is his M.O. from the very beginning. And don't let the lies of Satan discourage you. And don't let the lies of Satan get into your mind to cause you to doubt that what God said he would do, he will do. Number one, you got to know that you're saved. Number two, putting on the helmet of salvation, I believe, indicates that you got to know your Savior. You ought to strive to know Jesus more and more every day. You see, I'm afraid some people get saved. And they say, I'm going to heaven. I've been, I'm a child of God. But they miss out on so many blessings because they don't get serious about knowing Jesus. Friend, I want to tell you, if you don't know Jesus on a personal level, if you don't know him with a, a closeness and a, and a love, you're missing out on the greatest life in all the world. I know some Christians that are so miserable because although they've been saved, they're not living for God. They're not walking with Jesus. They're not right with God. And can I tell you, you ought to get right with God today. And you ought to seek to know Jesus better today than you knew him last year. You ought to know Jesus better today than you did eight years ago when my wife and I first came and a brand new pastor's here. Well, I hope you know your pastor and I hope you know your pastor's wife. But can I tell you, you got to know Jesus because Jesus is the one that brings joy. Jesus is the one that brings peace and satisfaction. And Jesus is the one that brings purpose. You got to know your Savior. Philippians 3, Paul said that I may know him. David said, as the deer... Panteth after the water brook, so panteth, so longeth my soul after thee, O God. Well, I got a question. Do you think Paul knew Jesus? Oh, yeah. I think Paul was probably one of the greatest Christians that ever lived. But he said, I want to know him more. Do you think David knew the Lord? Oh, yeah. He was a man after God's own heart. He wrote many of the Psalms. He was the, the, the king of Israel that God put in that place that, that led the nation of Israel to do great things. But yet David said, I want to know him more. And friend, as you leave here today, I hope there's a burning desire in your heart that says, I don't just want to know more facts and I don't want to just know more about the church and I don't want to just know more about sports and more about politics and more about business. But I want to know Jesus and I want to have a relationship with him that is close and a relationship that is genuine. Number one, you got to know you're saved. Number two, you got to know your Savior. You got to know Jesus. And then number three, you've got to know the strategy. You say, well, what's the strategy for battle? We put on the helmet of salvation and, and that's going to help the way we think and influence the way that we make decisions. Well, here's our strategy right here. It's the word of God. You see, the Christian life is not just a life of, of luck. It's not a life of coincidence. It's not a life of chance. But God has given us his word so that we would know how to live every day for him. Let me give you a few thoughts about our strategy. Number one, of course, you got to study the scripture. Second Timothy says, study to show thyself approved unto God. 
a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You ought to know the Bible, and I ought to know the Bible because we study it for ourselves. Now, when you come to church on Sunday, I hope you learn something about the Bible. I hope you mark your Bible. I hope you take notes. I hope you jot things down. And, but I hope you read it throughout the week because we have responsibility to know the strategy to study the Word of God. Number one is the Scriptures. Number two is supplication or prayer. That's where we talk to God. That's how you know what God wants you to do. Have you ever had a situation that you, you talk to people about and you ask them, what do you think about this? And they said, here's what I would do. And you didn't have a piece about it. And you read the Bible and you, and you, saw, you saw God's word and, and you still, you're like, well, I'm not sure for this situation. So you prayed about it. And have you ever had a situation that you didn't know what to do and you prayed about it and God took care of it for you? I've had situations like that and I thought, I'm so glad I didn't stick my foot in my mouth and make a mess because I've done that before. But when I pray about it, I'm amazed at how sometimes God just takes care of it for you. Can I tell you, you ought to pray, get, get, get to know God in prayer and, and the strategy and what God wants you to do. He'll show you if you'll ask him. He'll show you if you'll pray. Then number three under our strategy is we ought to be sanctified. We ought to be set apart in our minds and how we think. Turn with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter four, Galatians, Ephesians, and Philippians chapter four, verse number eight. Here's our strategy. Here's God's plan for believers. It says, finally, brethren, Philippians 4, 8, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Now, I want to say this as kindly as I know how, because you probably in this room, you may have some family or friends or loved ones, or maybe you yourself have dealt with these things. But I'm going to say this as kindly as I know how. These are the things that God wants us to think about. These are the things that God wants us to dwell on. But Satan, on the other hand, he wants you to think some different thoughts. Satan wants you to think thoughts of suicide. And can I tell you, thoughts of suicide are never from God. Every time those are thoughts that have been put in your mind or brought to your attention by Satan. And I, can I say this? Suicide doesn't help anybody. I've dealt with families. I, I've been around people that the aftermath of the suicide, nobody ever says, you know, actually, I think this is going to work out better. Oh, no. There's tears anguish, sorrow, there's regret, there's a wonder why and what if, and can I tell you, suicide is not the answer, and for a child of God, we got to get the helmet of salvation on, and we got to change the way we think, and we've got to stop thinking the thoughts of the devil, and we got to stop thinking those thoughts, and by the way, by the way, sometimes it's because of the people that you associate with. Sometimes it's the stuff you're reading or the people that you're listening to that will put those thoughts in your mind, but those are not thoughts from God. And as we put on the helmet of salvation, where we're putting on a way of thinking and we're putting on a, 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 a way that we, we use our mind to think of the thoughts that God would give us, not the thoughts of the devil. 
you're here today or you're watching the service or you're listening on the radio and you've got thoughts of drugs, you've got thoughts of alcohol, can I tell you those are not thoughts of God? Those are not thoughts that are going to help you or help your Christian life or help your family or help anybody for that matter. Those are things that are going to destroy your life. And many times, can I say this? Many times the suicide comes because people get involved with drugs or alcohol and they don't even have control of their thoughts. Maybe you're here today and I don't, I don't know who you are and I don't know all that's going on in your life, but maybe you're having some of those thoughts. Can I tell you, it's time to get in the Word of God and say, God, I need you to help me to think on these things. I need to think about the things that are right. I need to get in church. I need to get in the Bible. I need to uh, get with a good Christian friend who can help me and encourage me and point me in the right direction. Maybe you're here today or maybe you're listening online or on the radio and maybe you have thoughts in your mind of immorality. Maybe you have thoughts in your mind of adultery. Maybe you have thoughts of lying and cheating and, 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 and stealing. And maybe you have thoughts of doing some of those things. I want to tell you, you need to stop thinking about those things because the more you think on it and the more you ponder it, you're going to find that the devil's going to give you opportunities. The devil's going to get you on a path and say, hey, there it is. Go for it. Oh, it'll be great. I want to remind you, the devil is a liar. The devil does not have your best interest or my best interest in mind. He wants to destroy you. And when you put on the helmet of salvation, God wants you to have peace and joy and God wants you to have happiness and God wants you to have a life of satisfaction and contentment that only God can bring. Our strategy, our thoughts must be sanctified and set apart. Our strategy is to serve God. Our strategy is to win souls. Our strategy is to take a stand. Ephesians 6 says we are to stand against the wiles of the devil. The Bible tells us that we are to be steadfast, we're to be faithful. And the Bible tells us that we are to look for the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's what we ought to be looking for. That's our strategy, that Jesus is coming again. You say, Pastor, you really believe that stuff? As sure as I'm standing behind this pulpit, I believe Jesus is coming back. As a matter of fact, I don't just believe He is coming back. I believe he could come back today. I think that trumpet could sound today. I just believe it. You say, but pastor, I don't know. I just, I'm really discouraged because things are getting worse and worse and worse. This world is out of control. You're right. Exactly like the Bible said it would happen. Honestly, and I don't wish for things to get worse and worse, so please don't misunderstand me. I think I'd be a little nervous if things were getting better and better. I'd say, oh no, maybe Jesus isn't coming too soon. But can I tell you, as you hear about what's going on in our world today, are you, are you hearing any news? You're hearing what's going on over in Russia? You hear what's going on with Russia and China? They're forming some alliances. Isn't that interesting? It's kind of like the Bible talks about. And then you've got the nation of Israel. Everybody hates the nation of Israel. Oh, and guess what? That's God's chosen people. And that's where Jesus Christ is going to set up his throne. In, uh, in the temple in Jerusalem, and he's going to rule and reign for a thousand years on this earth. I want to tell you, it's getting close. I believe it could be today. And as you have on the helmet of salvation, you know you're saved. You seek to know Jesus more and more, and then you got to know the strategy. You got to know the game plan. You wouldn't get, well, I shouldn't say you wouldn't. I hope you wouldn't. You wouldn't go to work tomorrow and not have a clue what you're supposed to do. 
<laughs> well, uh, let's, uh, let's change that illustration up a little bit. You wouldn't go into battle and not have a clue what you're supposed to do, I hope. I think you'd have a strategy. Well, friend, we're in a battle, and we need to know what God has given us to do. We need to know His Word. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week. Thank you.